Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Untitled Serendipity Podcast by Nick ZH. That's me, I'm Nick ZH. This is a personal podcast I use to share something interesting I've learned that week, and then ramble on in a generally positive direction for about 15 minutes. This time, I thought I would get straight into the fact, which is then related to the experience that I wanted to share, because I had a very unique and magical and wonderful experience related to an organ and an organist. Starting out with the fact, I learned this week that the organ, the instrument with the pipes that is often encountered in churches, well, I think almost exclusively encountered in churches, aside from the portable versions, was originally invented in 300 to 200 BC. It was apparently attributed to Tisibius of Alexandria, spelled C.T. Tisibius. He designed this concept to, well, work as a proof of concept of hydraulics and pipes, because the way an organ works is hydraulic pressure moves sound through pipes, and that is essentially what we're hearing. And the keyboard is the mechanism to select which pipes to blow the sound into. There are compression mechanisms and various other designs that allow this to work. Unfortunately, I'm not as well-versed to talk the entire podcast episode about that. However, I can mention that it was invented much, much longer ago than I originally thought, and I was very blown away. Especially considering that the piano, I guess fact number two, that I recently learned was invented in the 15th, 16th century in Italy which I was very surprised by because I feel like the piano has been a staple musical instrument and is very much described as the kind of go-to when I think of music, especially classical music, but that makes sense since the classics started appearing more and more right around that time. Now, the experience that I wanted to talk about was something very, very unique. Yesterday, I got the opportunity to meet an organist. So I didn't know what this was going to be. I was just told, show up at this place at 12, be waiting there and be on time, and we're going to meet someone very cool. The place that I was told to be was a place in front of a church. Now, I've been here many, many times. In fact, having basically grown up in this town, I believe I've gone through that specific area maybe hundreds if not literal thousands of times, and I had always seen the church, I had never been inside it, I had admittedly never seen anybody go inside it, but it was very much a hangout spot, so in the summer when the weather is nice, everybody on the church steps is eating, hanging out, there's plenty of young people, plenty of students, but I digress. So I arrive here, and I am the first there, I'm waiting for my family who organized this, and I see a man step out for a smoke. Now, he's a fairly big gentleman, got a blue coat on, goes around, goes to the kiosk, and is looking around waiting for someone, and I'm like, okay, I think that's the guy. So I make a quick call, and I'm saying, hey, I'm over here already waiting for you guys. Then everybody shows up, everybody gathers, and we're introduced to this man, uh, Denis Fyodorov, Denis Fyodorov, if you want to pronounce it in the English way. And he is an organist, an organ player. So we walk into the church, and my mother, for those of you who do know and those of you who don't know, 
is a historian and tour guide, which means that a lot of our trips or a lot of facts about history and different tidbits of knowledge get passed along. With a penchant for Swiss history and things that are interesting about the religious part of it, the non-religious part of it, the general part of it, the weird parts of it, and everything to do with history in general. So we get this mini tour of the church, what's up with it, what it means, the history, how long it's been around, which was very interesting, fascinating. He was listening attentively, shuffling from foot to foot, coughing from time to time, but overall just was present. At first I thought he was either the groundskeeper or concierge, or someone who just led us into the church, and the big surprise was that we got a little guided tour of the church. That was surprising since this isn't something that is generally accessible, unless you go to one of the masses, or another small fact, in the city of Lausanne on Wednesdays and Saturdays, there is a city market, and on Wednesdays in this church, there is the culte du marché, which is the service held before the market. We learned a bit about that, about the different areas, what this church represented, what happened throughout history, the Protestants, and everything, and we more or less concluded the tour. Then I learned that Denis Fyodorov, the man who was with us, was actually the organ player. The reason that he had access to the church was because he was playing the organ. And he led us up to the second floor. We got up there, we were looking at the stained glass and marveling at how cool it was, made in the 1920s, 1924 if I'm not mistaken. Then we shuffled behind into a sort of cramped little area right around the organ. Now this was my first time being up close and personal with an organ in itself, and it was fascinating. So the organ had three plus one levels of keyboards. The standard three that I'm sure many of you have seen in movies or representations or pictures, with the three keyboards exactly like the three keyboards of a piano. And there were also pedals underneath in the form of piano keys. They were made of wood, but the same notes and half notes with the white keys, but in this case they were wooden, and the slightly darker wooden keys being the black keys. And then on either side of the organ there was this multitude of switches. And it was amazing. As soon as he sat down, this man who up until this point had been fairly humble, kind of a presence, but not necessarily very imposing, he sat down and started talking, and he kind of came alive. This passion lit in his eyes, and suddenly he was in his element. What I really wanted to talk about more than anything today is one of my favorite things in the world, is seeing someone, meeting them, or just encountering someone, or even observing someone. And as soon as they get into their element, they get into their passion, they show you a bit of their world, you see how they love that world. You see the months, years, and decades of passion accumulated there and crystallize and all come out in one go. He sat there and he started explaining the different settings. How, at the start, when all the switches are flipped up, nothing is playable. But then he starts flipping the switches, and specific pipes in the organ are essentially activated. So there are the lower switches, the standard ones, 
things that are more like trumpets where there are reeds inside of them, and more and more switches as you flip them on, it becomes that entire orchestra. So the organ isn't just basically a fancy woodwind piano. It is a one-man orchestra. And I found that fascinating. He would flick a switch, which, by the way, the pipes are... The switches have different titles on them, and they are measured by 10, 8, 6, 4. So you're wondering what that is, because it wasn't octaves or anything like that, but it was feet. Because in the past, there was not necessarily a conventional system of measuring things aside from feet. They were slightly inconsistent, and one of the jokes was that a very small organist would have very specific pipes that wouldn't necessarily be the same as a very large set organist with enormous feet. So I'm terrified of the sound that clown organs would make, but I digress. Ultimately, the different steps and the different levers would create different sounds. And there were body sounds and soul sounds. Sounds that were more like a piano, sounds that were more like the typical sound of an organ. Then there were gentle sounds like a flute, a more bodied flute, a lighter flute, and almost a whistling sound. Then there were other keyboards as well. There were heavy, profound trumpets that made a sound that trembled through your entire body with the bass of it. Then there were some lighter ones, there were some whistly ones, there were the reed ones which came out with a trembling sound, like a trumpet, essentially. And the combination of these in different sets would make entirely different flavor patterns. Another thing that I learned at the same time was that every organist selects his own orchestral arrangement, his own orchestration of the piece. The combinations are entirely up to the person organizing it. Composers can put full-body organ, which means you use every single part of the organ, every keyboard, all the different switches in a pleasant variety so as not to sound like a cacophony, but you are left to your own devices to decide which specific sounds you want to make. Then, you have the different individual parts, but essentially, you combine that, you make that as an organist. The organist is the one who designs this. So not only do you have to have this incredible skill to be aware of three keyboards, switches, a fourth keyboard beneath your legs, but also be aware of the combinations of sounds that make things sound right. And in front of us, he would flip these switches and quickly test it and go, no, that's not right. I need a meatier sound. I need something with more oomph to it. Or I need something lighter with more soul to be a more spiritual piece. On a side note, apparently more modern composers, as more and more people discover and work with the organ, do have more indications as to what they do. But essentially, that means that every single organ piece that you hear is unique. Every organ is unique, all the pipes are their own creation, their design is, the, is different, the acoustics of the room are going to be different, of the church are going to be different, and everything makes for an entirely unique experience every time. Which leads me to the next part. He played for us. Denis Fyodorov, the organist, played a Toccata e Fugue, which is a Bach piece that uh, is very traditional, I think, in thinking of. Dracula or vampires or things like that, but it was magical. 
At various points throughout his performance and his explanations, I did do small recordings and video recordings, which I believe you can find on my socials. But when he started playing that, I recorded for a bit and then stopped. Because for the first time in a long time, live music right in front of me, even though I was so consciously aware of being there, standing behind this cramped area in an organ, I was taken away to another place. Every note, the dancing that he did across the keyboard, the intense plays, the arpeggios, everything, the grace notes. He would climb up and down the piano notes. He would go up an octave, down an octave, play between them. The magic was built all around me, and it truly felt like being enchanted by a spell. He played some other pieces afterwards, but that Takade Fuga, I hope I'm pronouncing right, by the way, no idea how to say that out loud. That was magical. And, of course, afterwards when I came home, I saved it into my playlists. I'm no aficionado of classical music by any means, but I am slightly familiar with some songs. However, hearing that and experiencing that, I can understand, or rather, I was reawakened to how powerful and how amazing music can be, especially live music, especially the organ. I was blown away. I rediscovered this instrument that to me had always not necessarily been part of the background, but had always just been registered as an instrument. And now is this magical machine that is amazing. It completely blew me away listening to that, being there in that moment, and being transported away and carried on the notes. Every swelling, every lull in the notes, every rhythm, the melodies, the way he switched up everything, changing between the switches, everything. It was such a profound experience. And this passion that he had for it, he really came alive. Like the pianists you can see, moving with every note and kind of dancing in their seat, he was moving to the rhythm and you could see the passion, the years that he's accumulated and put into this. And I found that so magical. The combination of the experience of being there and listening to such a powerful piece, as well as encountering a man who I wasn't underwhelmed or overwhelmed by, but I just felt, okay, well, He's just the guy going to guide us around or let us into the church. And then by the end of that session, he is someone I don't think I will ever forget in my life because as soon as he sat at the organ and went into his world, he was home. Like a fish in water, it was absolutely fantastic and magical. And the music that carried me away that day, once again reawaken this passion for it and has reminded me that listening to different types of music and to classical music is pretty fantastic. So that was the experience I wanted to share for this podcast. Rediscovering and reopening magic and the fact that people's passions can awaken and be so spreadable. You could see the love that he had for music and the passion for it and it was infectious. Every single person, every member of my family in that room could feel it, and I know that everybody was transported somewhere else by that magical piece. 
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Untitled Serendipity Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you've fallen asleep if you use it as a sleeping aid or gotten all of your chores cleaned up or well on the way if you're using this in the background. If you're interested in what I do or want to hire me, work with me, or see more of my projects, head over to nickzh.net or check out the description for my other social links. Thank you again, and have a good one.